Welcome back, Frankie. Yay. Yeah, Welcome mate. It's, it's good to see you've done a lot of prep work for this podcast, always, mate. You've been mate, doing always. it for this whole seven days. It's not in the preparation. Yeah, that's right. What do they say? There's a saying about preparation. They say, uh, piss, uh, preparation, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. No, the, the, the quote is, is, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mate, that's a more G-rated version. I, I, pref- <laughs> <laughs> I prefer prior preparation prevents piss poor performance now frank it's a new week yes not much of happening what are we at now what is the date today 20 first it's the something of march mate no we're at the the end of march the first quarter's almost gone yes how's about all those people that would have set goals at the start of the year and haven't done one fucking iota of them (laughs) oh that's the one side of the coin others would have uh smashed the The people uh, listening to this the people listening to this people like yourself mate you would have been smashing your quarterly goals i'm I'm definitely behind but i've still made a lot of progress that's the main thing it's not about perfection it's about progress now frankie uh, not a lot happened over the last week in the overall marketplace, but at the same time, a lot has happened in the in the macro economy. So, um, mate, you wanted to cover off on a few numbers that Core Logic. I know you love your numbers. I love the data. I love the data, and um, Core Logic has come out um, just this week with some interesting um, data in regards to the the past three years, basically. Mm. You know, and uh, and this is based off the national median house prices or dwelling prices i should say and they've broken it up into three phases now if we go all the way back to you know the pandemic and you know in march 2020 seems like ages ago now but back in march 2020 is when march we all 2020, got we should have bought more property we all got locked down um and interestingly that you know people say well it was that 2020 year where the boom really took off but you know the figures tell a slightly different story so basically during that period of april 2020 mm-hmm. remembering you know in march we were locked down so from april 2020 for those few months to September 2020, then the national median dwelling price actually decreased by 1.9%. So not mm. a lot. Um, so it's interesting to note that you know when the boom really took off was began in October 2020. And so this is what they're calling the second phase, which is the boom. So from October 2020 right through to 2021 and to the beginning of uh, 2022. So that so from October 2020 to April 2022. So about plus, an eighteen month period. Plus twenty eight point six percent. Okay. National uh, median values went up, right? And then we 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 came out of the boom, the post boom, the natural decline that comes with that. So from May twenty twenty two, right through to February twenty twenty three, where we we basically are now in regards to data, only minus nine point one percent. Only. Yes, only. Right. Uh, so the property crash again did not happen. Um, so if we look at that from the start to finish. April 2020 to March 2023, call it three years, plus 17.6%. Now, average, or just under 6% per annum. Which, exactly, if you look at the Australian average. long-term average, sits pretty much in line with that. That's right, yeah. Um, so, Matt, it's, it's very, very interesting. And this is obviously about looking at the data on a more micro level. That's probably the difference between you and I. I'm a very big picture thinker. And mm. Frankie, you like getting caught up in the, in the intricacies of it all. All I know is, as long as I can go back to the bank every year, the year after, and refinance <laughs> and pull more money out to buy more property, that's all I care about, not how much I can pull out. Um, so, mate, super interesting, but all in all, you know, when you look at things over the long term, they average out. Yeah, sure, well, they average know. out, you know, and, and things come back, as I keep saying, the, the things will come back to the long-term average. Mm. So, you know, you know, yeah, great boom period of 28.6% um, comes, back, comes off a little by 9%. But, you know, that's that's only looking at three years. I'm sure if we went back and looked at the last 10 or 15 years, they would probably average out to that, that's exactly to that 6 right. 7%. I think the average for, the, you know? for Australia is in the mid-sixes percent. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, not bad. 
Um, mate, uh, the deal of the week this week is an interesting one. So what I wanted to cover off is uh, this This property was actually for an owner-occupier. It's, it's a funny okay. scenario. So owner-occupier was renting this property in the inner west of Sydney uh, in a suburb called Stanmore. And essentially loved where they lived. The... Uh, the, uh, the, the, they just wanted to buy a property, but they did. You know, most people don't want to move from uh, from their rental, and a lot of people in the rental market at the moment are probably feeling this. People are increasing their rents. You know, they're they're probably going fuck. You know, I mean, I was paying a lot now, I'm paying even more, mm. and uh, and I'm either going to have to bite the bullet and stay, or I'm going to have to bite the bullet and leave and go find myself another place. Or if that person's sitting on some cash and they've been, you know, twiddling their thumbs because they're trying to time the market or whatever it is, maybe they have to go buy. So. This client was was uh, was keen to buy. We were looking around in the marketplace, and uh, you know, we, we thought, what's the what what's the downside in asking the vendor if they'd be open to selling? It's obviously an investment for them. They've yes. owned it for quite a while. Clients are comfortable living there. Why don't we Why don't we try and buy it? Nice, yeah. Started the conversation. Shabam! That uh, that vendor happened to be thinking about selling. And uh, we ended up transacting on that property off market. Right, so they don't have to move out of the rental. So, no, so they bought a property and they don't it. have they don't have to move. And um, it's a funny thing, you know. The, I think uh, what a lot of people do is they miss opportunity because they don't ask the question. Mm. Um, so you know that that's all that that's all that needed was a, a question to say, hey, would you be open to selling? Worst case scenario is they say no. That's right. The best case scenario is they say yes, and uh, and we obviously achieve the best case scenario. But I think it's going to be something that happens more and more. As rent gets more expensive, I know it's cheaper still to rent than it is to buy because yes. of interest rates. But people still have that mindset that it's better to pay more to own a property than it is to rent. Well, of a course, because you're going to get the capital growth out of it and, and the equity, and from that equity, hopefully become an, a, a you know an investment property owner yourself. Exactly. So you know, I think some people should really start considering that if rent is getting more expensive, it's getting harder to find a rental property. Mm. Um, you know, landlords are definitely more in the driver's seat than tenants are at the moment. Um, maybe it is time to think about uh, think about buying a property, and you know, whether it's an owner occupier, whether it's an investment, it's just about getting into the into the marketplace, which is obviously what's going to lead us on into uh, what we're going to talk about today. And essentially, the topic we want to chat through today is why now might actually be the best buying window, or we might actually be past the best buying window. Possibly, yeah. Uh, at the moment for the foreseeable future. And you know, one of the big reasons for that is because the the media and the and the tune that the media play has a direct correlation to how consumers think mm. and uh, and how consumers act. So naturally at the moment, the media headlines are interest rates are rising, things are getting more expensive with inflation, the world's going to end, you know, bunker <laughs> down essentially, you know. Yes. So people now are starting to act the way that the media are portraying the world, but it's you know it's scarcity, people losing their jobs, let's all get scared. But interestingly enough, just this week we're starting to see now some green shoots. Maybe not in the global economy, you know, UBS just taking over from uh, Credit Suisse and and uh, you know a few banks in the Silicon US need to bank, bank get ba- bailed out, which I'm going to touch on as well. But <clears throat> you, we're starting to see now that uh, you know the RBA have said, well, this could be the end of the the rate hike cycle, and as that. As that starts to get louder, that that message that this is going to be the end, this is going to be the end, interest rates are staying still. We have a month where they hold interest rates. Then all of a sudden, the tune starts to change, and you know that the future looks brighter than what our past has been, which gives people you know hope 
and all of a sudden yes. they start acting in that way. Yeah, the buyer sentiment changes, the buyer confidence starts to increase a bit. You know, for those who were bunkering down and, and just trying to ride it out, um, you know, sitting on the sidelines, suddenly they get a bit more confident. They start paying a bit more attention to the you know the the changing stories of the media mm. you know and we should have you know we should only take the media stories with a, with a grain of salt so to speak but you know the, the the media stories which have been very negative are suddenly suddenly starting to change there's now talk of you know has the bottom of the cycle passed us so it's another you know, thing people and, are probably trying to start to see that now right? yeah and we only really know until the rearview mirror you know when we can look back one or two months ago ah, there it was it was back in you know january or something mm. whatever it is three months ago um, and by the time that gets to the media it is definitely definitely usually uh well in the rear view mirror yeah um and you know the last four weeks the the sydney property market has actually seen growth you know we've seen one and a half percent or something growth 0.4 percent or something in in february um you know minute but it's still it's not negative right that's right it's not negative all of these little one percenters are the things that now are starting to you know have the media change a turn bill evans from uh you know from westpac Westpac come out and said that we're likely to see seven interest rate reductions now well <laughs> who, who knows if that's the truth or not and who really cares to be honest but the thing is the media now is starting to change their tune from armageddon deadly you know blah 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 yeah. blah all of a sudden now to could be the end you know yeah. could be looking brighter interest rates could be coming well, down you know in a couple of weeks we got the april interest rate um decision mm. and already there is talk of not even you know will they hold rates but will they reduce rates now in my personal opinion they're going to probably hold interest rates before they decide to, to cut them um, it's just a natural progression right mm. we've gone 10 interest rate rises in a row um, you've just in, they've just increased them in March why would you just then drop them say a quarter of a percent in April to me I think they'll just hold if anything if not rise again but all the talk in the media and so-called experts now is you know what's going to happen in April more than likely be a hold if not a rate a rate cut so that's a, a a total change to what you know we were talking about about before march which you know 99 of people were saying march will be an increase which it was so very interesting times I, i'm thinking and uh and and this is where the opportunity lies right because mm. we're in that transition period you know it's not it's not all negative it's not all positive we're in between there's a yeah. little bit of confidence back in the marketplace which is what we've seen from being out on the ground Lack of supply, still a lot of buyer activity, things are actually selling quite well. Yeah. But I think that's going to become much more competitive as soon as people start saying, oh, it's the end of the interest rate. You know, the rates are coming down. And, and, and it, it's not going to be the end of the interest rate cycle. And I say this to everyone, whether, regardless of when you buy, you know, you're buying a 25 to 30 year mortgage more than likely going with that. Now, mm-hmm you're crazy to think that, that your mortgage rate is going to stay the same for the next 25 to 30 years. It is going to change substantially. You know, they're either going to hold for a long period of time, they're going to go on a run of increases like we've had, they could go on a run of decreases like we've had in the past decade. Um, and, you know, to be fair, though, your life is going to change substantially as well. Of course. But, you know, and you keep harping on it, Jack, don't get caught up in, you know, what they're doing next month and things like that because it's, it's you know, you're in that mortgage for the next 25 to 30 years regardless. And exactly. rates, you know, if you're on a variable rate, they're going to fluctuate. Even if you're on a fixed rate, that's only fixed for two to three to five years anyway. 100%. And, you know, in the US, obviously, over the last sort of week, we've had Silicon Valley Bank, as most people know, you know, had to, uh, had to shut up shop because of mm. their lack of liquidity and, and the issues with their balance sheet. And, um, you know, just so to get some high level numbers for people in the US as they started, the, the whole idea of raising interest rates is to pull liquidity out of the economy. 
um, which is obviously going to show slow consumer spending and, and, and obviously you know curb inflation. So f- from when the uh, the Fed in the US started lifting their rates, uh, they pulled about six hundred billion out of the US economy. Was, was all the calculation was pretty significant amount Very of money. Very significant, I would say. Just in the last seven days since uh, the bailout of Silicon Valley Bank has uh, has occurred, half of that six hundred billion, so three hundred billion dollars, has been pumped. Back into the U.S. economy. Wow. So what's that going to do to their inflation, I wonder? Yeah, who, who knows? <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing is, this is why all these predictions never you know, never work. The, the up, the down, the whatever is mm. going to happen. It's because there's, there's always so something. many variables, right? Like four weeks ago, no one knew this was going to happen. I don't reckon the Fed had on their, have had on their radar that they're going to pump no. or print $300 billion worth no. of uh, U.S. dollars to put back into the U.S. And economy. And we've said this before. There will always be the next big thing to happen mm. in, in the global world. Uh, whether it's you know financial, economic, you know a war, whatever it is, you know we've just had a pandemic. Nobody ever saw that coming, in you know, and like you said, a, we- a month or two ago, nobody would have thought that Silicon Valley was going under unless you're monitoring it closely over mm. in the US. You know, the, apparently now people are saying, yeah, there was telltale signs and things like this. But there's always going to be something. Exactly right. Exactly right. So you know, I think now if you're a buyer, if you're thinking about you know, getting into the marketplace or you're thinking about buying an investment property, if, it, if you know, I was in that position, um, I'd definitely be getting an understanding of serviceability. I'd mm. be getting, you know, properties valued and, and getting an understanding of available equity. Um, and I'd be, you know, I'd be looking looking for, for opportunity because as the marketplace then starts to kick, sentiment starts to get better, it doesn't mean it's going to take off. It's not going to take off, but, you know, you're going to be then competing with others and, you know, more demand just means you know higher prices so mm. like we've been saying you know you know you always should buy when you're comfortable to buy and not get caught to get caught up too much with the with the micro and things like that but you know you don't want to look back and i've seen it in my past 30 years of, of property investing geez that was a good opportunity missed there in the gfc um did nothing because mm. i was too scared or whatever it was just you know didn't want to get caught up in You're it in all. Vegas, weren't you? Partying? Yeah, probably <laughs> on holiday somewhere. And you know, these opportunities possibly only come around, you know, once or t- twice a decade. You know, if you're lucky. Um, so yeah, it's it's the ones who take action. You know, when all the information is not quite there. You know, you talk about uh, you know the likes of uh, you know Elon Musk and that he goes. I only need to have seventy percent of the info. If I think it's good at that stage, I'm going with it. I yeah. don't need to be ninety nine percent sure. You know, it's, some uh, people do. Those 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 advisors and counselors hmm. on the uh, on the personality. <laughs> you know, you know, and people go, oh yeah, but I'm taking a risk. Well, you know, there's risk in in everything we do in life. You just got to be, uh, you know, like I said closer to 70%, you know, you don't have to wait till you're 99% sure because then by then it's everybody's 99% sure and you've missed the boat. Exactly right, exactly right. Frankie, you wanted to cover off on uh, on a few other bits and pieces just around the strategy piece, right? So this is very important now to think about a strategy, obviously getting getting an understanding of servicing. We speak to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I want to go and invest in property, you know? Like yeah, I reckon and- we speak to 10 of these people a day and then we go, great, mate. So have you spoken with the broker? Ah, oh, no, not yet. Yeah, or just, asking, or just asking the simple question, and we're obviously talking about investing here. You know, why do you want to invest in property? Ah, oh, well, you know, I, my cousin did it or my brother did it. You know, thought it's, a, you know, I, I told them I got some cash enough for a deposit, something I, sh- I should do, you know. Mm. Yeah, but why? And they, they don't have an answer all the time, you know. Oh, well, seems to be a safe investment. Okay, well, you know, we start probing them with questions and really gets them thinking. 100 percent 
but I think, yeah, the, the, the planning of the overall purchase, like obviously getting an understanding of serviceability is one of the most important things because course, without yeah. an understanding of how much you can spend, you, you actually don't know whether you can buy or not. So that's the first step is, is speak to a broker or speak to someone like us who can put you in contact with the right broker, get an understanding of, uh, of serviceability, get an understanding of timeframes on how long it's going to take for you to actually get from, you know, not approved to actually pre-approved or all that pre-approved because that can be a process in itself. You know, there's yeah. a lot of people that have to go through, okay, a, a broker assesses your situation. They go, great, you, you know, you've got a great position, but uh, to be able to get the servicing, you need to get rid of that hex debt. Uh, you probably need to restructure <laughs> this. I'm going to need three months of salary credits. Yeah, just pulling all the documents together can be, uh, can take you probably four to six weeks. It's a big You know, if you don't have process. all that stuff, if you're not organized and don't have all your, your best statements, if you're a company or, you know, haven't, haven't done your latest tax return, Mm. for example then you've got to rush off and do your tax return and things like that so get your ducks in a row is basically what we're saying 100 percent, and uh, and that can take a little while right mm. so if you're planning to purchase something later in the year or you're seeing this opportunity like we're seeing it now it's like okay well what are the what are the things that i needed to start doing to uh to get in the right position whether it's my first property or whether it's you know my my seventh or eighth or tenth property it's exactly the same process yeah, exactly um and then, you know, you really need to start thinking about once you've got an understanding of serviceability and, and, you know, what you can actually spend on a property, what is it that you want to buy and what is, like you said, the yeah. reason that you're buying the property, what is this property going to do as a part of the, the you know, the portfolio? Yeah. And it's it's not until you know what your borrowing capacity is, you know, how much is the bank going to give you, couple that with the cash you've got as to, you know, what that figure is and what you can buy with that property. Okay. You know, can I buy a, a unit in Sydney with that or do I go up to Brisbane or, or down to Melbourne and buy a house with that? What suburbs am I, am I looking back at? And we get, you know, asked that all the time. And that's why, you know, obviously, you know, we're looking at these uh, areas, looking at the data and, and buying all the time for clients that, mm. you know, it can be very overawing. Uh, overwhelming. Overwhelming. Is over overawing. That's a fucking good one, Frank. <laughs> over overwhelming for people as they, they don't know where to start. And that's mm. why they should talk to someone, not to the taxi driver, not to the Uber driver, not to the next to your next door neighbor, but to, to people like ourselves who, who are buying on a daily basis um, as to, and, you know, we can guide them in regards to that. But you've got to know how much you've got to invest before you can start. Exactly right. And then how that's then going to play out, uh, mm you know in in the next purchase and the next purchase because i think uh you know I, I, one of the big areas people get stuck is that they're fascinated on oh we oh, they're already thinking about property number two or three before they're <laughs> you know buying property number one so yeah. they get a pre-approval amount they're like oh well i'll split this into two and then i'll be able to buy another one and may not actually be the right thing to do no, right you've like, got to take it one step at a time exactly right and and you know, then the strategy piece, not only is serviceability, what can you spend, where can you buy, but then it's like the structuring as well. So, um, you know, you, you need to think about, well, if I'm going to buy property number two, what's my serviceability potentially going to look like for that property? A good broker will be able to run some scenarios. What's it look like in my personal name? What's it look like in a company or a trust? Does that yeah. affect servicing? Um, so, you know, planning all of this stuff can literally take months and months and months and months and months. And if you're look, thinking about now, okay, there's going to be some green shoots in the marketplace. The media is starting to change their tune. I reckon, you know, we might start looking to buy July, you know, August, September. If you start thinking about it then, you've then got another few months of planning and preparation and pre-approvals and all the other shit you've got to do mm. to then be in a position to buy, you know, by December usually. Yeah. Um, and then you could actually get out there and find a property. So um, the planning now is to go, Yes, I want. To, I definitely want to do something. What do I need to do to get in the position to do do something? Who do I need to speak to? 
and then and obviously take the steps to be able to get there. And you need to, you know, if, if you're a couple or family, you need to, um, you know, couple this in, you know, this investment property piece with your personal lives. You know, there'd be people out there going, you know, well, we're, we're engaged now and we're planning to get to get married in nine months time so you know how how is that going to factor in with your with your budgeting okay Mm. you got you you might have the cost of the wedding you might be getting you know then have a honeymoon um or you you know you you might be pregnant and expecting your your second or third child or your first child how is how how is that looking you know if you're currently living in a unit you need to upsize your principal place of residence to a house but you need to budget accordingly now it's not hard open up an excel spreadsheet and you know pull out your credit credit card statements i couldn't fucking do that (laughs) but i mean when i say it's not hard that the information is there pull out your bank statements pull out your credit card statements and and all the everything is is captured there Mm. um you know you know what you're earning in regards to your income and that's why financial planners i think financial planners that are independent and obviously yeah or or, or your accountant you know can help with all help with all of that stuff i I think you know having an overarching budgeting strategy is, is super important we work with a lot of financial planners who you know can really give clients confidence because they know mm. you know for a lot of people who aren't that financially savvy it's very easy when it's put in front of you to say this yeah. is what we've got to do this is how we're going to do it but this but this brings me into the the budgeting piece about then you need to start thinking about okay well if i'm going to buy an, an investment property you know i'm going to have a loan on there am i going to go interest only am i going to go pni now, obviously, you know, if you've already got a P&I debt on your principal place of residence, uh, the logical thing is to go interest only. Now, the interest rate might be a little bit higher, but but the repayments are still lower than P&I. Mm. Um, so that, that helps with your cash flow. And, you know, are you going to fix your rate or are you going to take on a variable rate? Now, we can see... You know, the beauty of a fixed rate is it's like an insurance premium. You know what your repayments are going to be, you know, over the next two to three or five years, whatever the term of your fixed it's the rate same is. same every month. Um, it's usually a, a bit higher than a variable rate. Um, hasn't been in the past with all these people who fixed, but now, now more than likely they are. Or do you take on the variable rate? In which case they can move very quickly, one way or the other. We've just seen variable rates increase ten months in a row, so so very very quickly. Um, but again, you need to factor that in you know, to your budgeting. 100% Frankie. Mate, uh, to wrap it up, what's the uh, the property quick tip this week? The tip of the week is we're going to talk about, um, and very quickly, about the property to land ratio mm. um, in regards to an investment property. Now, whether that's a house or a unit, I think it's an, it's an important um, topic um, or, or something to be aware of as a tip. Now, as we know, you know, buildings depreciate, land appreciates so when you let's start with units um you know you can have um unit blocks that are a small block of four to six up to 40 to 60 properties in a block now we know with units and and there's a lot of people who are anti-units our units don't go up in value well well they do and you know they do because they're sitting on a on a decent block of land or you'd like to think on a decent block of land in in a suburb that is appreciating in value as well so you know it's important to look at how many units are in the block now Mm. if you've got four units in the block a nice little boutique block well you actually own one quarter of the land that it sits on compared to if it's 40 in the block you only own one fortieth of the land that it sits on so it is important to understand and that's going to correlate into you know the potential future value or resale of your unit Um, so it's important to, to to 
just take a note of that, you know. How many units are actually in this block, you know? 10's obviously better than 12, you know. Maybe not materially, but, you know, a block of six is definitely better than a block of 60. Absolutely um, it is. And, and then it's about where the land's located as of well, Of course, right? yes, because we know that 80% of capital growth comes from that's true. The so it's not just land content, itself. but it's also the value of that land content. Of where it is, And then yeah. it's the same as a, as a house, right? Houses like as well. Making sure that you've got, you know, as large of a block of land as you, you, you can, um, but also that land is premium land and not on a main road, not in an inferior pocket of a suburb. That's right. Inferior, yeah. So it's know. not just about the size of the land. It's 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 more probably about the location. Absolutely. Because we've seen, you know, you, you could get a little a small block of land of 300 square metres, but if it's a waterfront compared to something that's on 800 square metres on a main road, well, you Bit know. Big difference. Big difference. Huge difference. You so know. understanding the land content, the, the value of that land, um, and how that correlates to uh, to the asset that you buy, and then over yeah. the long term, what the performance of that asset is. Because like sometimes, be like. you know, a, a, a bigger house that's better located on a smaller block of land might be better than a smaller house on, on 800 or 900 square meters. Um, so just, just factoring in those things, you know, of that, you know, property to land ratio. Absolutely, mate. Frankie, as always, love the Nike shoes and, uh, mate, <laughs> great podcast. Thank you, mate. See you next See week. See you next week. This is general advice and does not take into consideration your objectives, situation or needs. You should consider if this advice is suitable to you or your circumstances and please read any applicable PDS beforehand. This is a Henderson podcast production.